Today on Masturbate Ladies, we talk to Hannah Allen Young. That's Allen hyphen Young, people. I made her a hashtag. It's hashtag hey, 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 H-E-Y, H-E-Y, H-A-Y. Just look for it. Hannah is a 21-year-old student and climber, originally from Santa Cruz, California, but currently based in Olympia, Washington. Guess what? I know her from Cirque Climbing Gym. That's where it used to be my home gym before I lived in this car. Hannah is currently employed at Cirque. She is also one of the route setters there. She's studying interdisciplinary humanities and poetry, which we get into. Don't worry. She's currently a senior at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington. We recorded this interview over FaceTime audio. It gets a little wibbly-wobbly at some point, so just be patient. Um, Hannah was in cozied up in her bed in Olympia. And I was cozied up in the Subio in Bend, Oregon. I totally let the car run like the whole time with the heater because it's snowing. But not all the time because of global warming. Anyway, we talk about a lot of things in this episode. Lots of climbing, a little bit of flow. How many different things can be poetry. And just generally... I don't know. I just really enjoyed, I really enjoyed having Hannah talk. She also reads us a poem. Also, I read you a poem. Two poems are read in this episode. Hope you enjoy. So good. Ah, this is exciting. I'm gonna take. <laughs> I'm gonna take my seatbelt off here. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get comfortable. Are you comfortable? I am. I'm in bed. Oh, great! You like literally have your PJs on still. Like, I mean, I wish. I am in jeans and stuff, but but Ooh, I'm in bed. Cozy. So there's. I just saw an old lady on a pink bicycle almost run a man over. So that was exciting. No. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Taking names. <laughs> I am excited. I'm so glad. Hannah Ellen Young, welcome to Masturbate Ladies. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You are our first person who would feel comfortable calling themselves a boulderer. Yeah, I would say that. <laughs> but it's exciting. It, 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 it is. You're the inaugural boulderer. <laughs> um, That's great. Uh, so we could kind of just, in addition to being a boulder, you are also a setter. Yeah. You set routes. I do set routes. And I want to talk all about that. Yeah. But- I've been setting for like close to two years now, I think. Mm-hmm. How'd you yeah. get in? Sorry, you go. <laughs> That's okay. How, how'd you, how did you get into it? Um, so I was a belay trader. Um, at the gym formerly known as Warehouse that is now Cirk Climbing. Um, and I was doing belay trade for them, um, belaying at like little kids' birthday parties and stuff as a volunteer. And then got to the point where the head route setter at the time um, asked me if I wanted to try out boulder setting because they needed more female setters. And I was super stoked to get asked. I was really kind of surprised and... Um, totally game to try it out and so I did and I started heading down there and I've been doing that ever since um so I was a volunteer setter for a really long time and now I actually work at cert climbing so I'm still setting um but also doing other stuff there as well so do you get paid to set um actually yeah as of last set I was on the clock, so that was really exciting. Awesome. Um, Yeah, technically, I guess, be a paid setter now. Um, You're a professional. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, was that Preston? 
Yeah, yeah, it was Preston who asked me to join. And since then, there's been a couple other um, headsetters. There was Ben, and now there's Andrew. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was Preston who originally asked me to join the team. And the motivation was that they needed more female setters. Do you? What was that line of thinking? Why? Why did Preston feel that more female setters were needed? Well, I think that at the time there were two female setters. There was Isabel. Um, and then there was one other woman whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. she left. And so then there was only Isabel. And I think that they felt the need that they should have, you know, more than one female setter in the team. And so then I was brought on. And then, and then for a while, it was actually we had three female setters. It was me, me Isabel, and Kiva. Um, and now Isabel's gone, so it's Kiva and I right now. Um, but yeah, I think they just thought you know, that there's a lot of women that climb at the gym and it makes sense to have women set routes. And, um, we tend to climb a little bit differently and have different strategies and, you know, things that are going to feel really good for me are going to feel awkward for someone that's a different body type than me, but some things they're going to set are going to feel really awkward for me. So there should be like a mix of different styles and things like that. Okay. So the idea is to include some, to have a wider variety. Yeah. Not also, think there's there's some stuff too that like I would think of setting that other people maybe wouldn't set or I wouldn't think to set something really crazy dynamic but someone else would think to set that so yeah creating that more difference in style how would you define your your setting style I've been trying to really push it recently I set I used to set a lot more like really balancey like loves I love slab petting mm-hmm. like really diet like really kind of s- movement balancey technical stuff hell yeah um, but i've been wanting to get stronger at like climbing more dynamic big moves mm-hmm. um so i've been trying to integrate that more into my personal setting so that it can be something that i can like work on um in problems that i set and trying to like make maybe more accessible dynamic climbing so mm-hmm. trying to kind of integrate that in my style but Typically, it tends to be a little bit more technical, a little bit more balancey, yeah. which I think is really fun. I, I mean, I personally love kind of more technical balancey climbing because uh, I don't have a ton of upper body strength, and mm-hmm. so it's really that's an area where I personally feel that that I and and lots of women can um, excel without having put the time into strength building. Totally. Yeah. Like I feel like it really integrates my like flexibility and my leg strength that I have. And like, it definitely feel like, I feel like all climbing is super full body, but I feel like you're confronted with that a lot more in like more technical climbing. Cause you can't just jug up it. Right. <laughs> when you're setting, do you have specific things that you, that you think about setting for women in particular? I think that I, I gear it more towards just I have certain like moves in mind okay. that I want to do. Like what? Um, well, I'll like have like an idea, like I'll climb something outside and I'll like, oh, it'd be cool to kind of like do a move kind of like that thing that I did when I was climbing out in Leavenworth so I can train that kind of movement inside yeah. while I'm not able to go outside. Um, or I'll like see something or think of an idea that's like one move that I really want to integrate and kind of like jump off from there. But there's definitely stuff that I've done, you know, where it's like really high foot or more movement kind of stuff that I think feels good for my body. Uh-huh. And I, you know, so coming from like a female perspective, I guess it kind of does come from this way of like women might enjoy to cl- climb this more. But my mindset typically is more just of like, what am I wanting the climbers to do? Yeah. What do you think is going to be fun? Yeah, exactly. Or challenging or interesting. Yeah. And less about, like, this generalized idea of what's good for women to climb. Exactly, yeah. Because it's just, like, they're, you know, everybody's going to get something different out of it, you know, whether, like, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, how tall they are, how short they are. So just trying to, yeah, create stuff that's going to be fun for as many people as possible. Which I feel like in many ways is the ultimate goal of of kind of like feminism and gender equality to be at this point where it's like Hannah sets things because she thinks they're cool, not because yeah. women need a particular kind of setting. 
Exactly, yeah. Because, I'm, yeah, I definitely feel like I'm not setting for women. Yeah. Setting for people to climb. But, yeah, like, one of my, like, I guess proudest moments as a setter was seeing um, two people climb my problem in the same kind of way. Like, they went through the problem really similarly, but they were of drastic height differences. Uh-huh. Um, so that was, like, really cool to see, you know, because there's a lot of, like, times when people can beta-break your stuff just because they're really tall. Yes. And I frustrated with that. <laughs> so, to, like, see the route climbed in the way that I had imagined by people of different genders and different heights was really cool. Yeah, super validating. Yeah, I was like, oh, I did it this time. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Because <laughs> yeah, sometimes you set stuff and you're like, this is choss. Like, this is not good. Um, but sometimes you have those moments of like, oh, nailed it. Yeah. How much time do you get to spend setting any particular route? Um, typically, we spend like three or so hours kind of I typically set like three problems in that time so mm-hmm. I get to spend like quite a bit of time working on stuff yeah um when we've set for a comp we've had more problems to set but more time to like really hone in on them and like pour on a lot and do all that kind of stuff but um yeah you get time to spend with the problems and then tweak them and see how other people climb them and ask questions and tweak and all that kind of stuff so it's a super creative process for me which I think is really cool yeah I don't know that I ever conceptualized setting as a creative process but when you say that it's kind of obvious like it's climbing but you're instead of be having your just your body on the rock or on the wall and problem solving that you actually are starting from scratch yeah yeah that's also why uh, I really like doing like collaborative setting too like setting with another person um, cause with like writing, I've done a lot of collaborative writing with people and you end up creating this thing that is outside of e- like both of you, like neither of you could have created that on your own. Um, cause you did it together. And so when you like set with somebody else, you're able to kind of create something that is outside of what you would have created individually. And that's yeah. really cool to do as well. You have access to this whole other brain and, yeah. and their not only just their brain, but like their entire pool of experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a parallel for you between setting and writing. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Wow. I love that you brought that in. That yeah. <laughs> really good. Yeah. I guess we should talk about a little bit, Hannah Allen Young. How did you first, how were you first introduced to climbing? Yeah, so I, I've always been like a, a kid that climbed stuff, like, like, I was always up in trees, you know, like, just climbing on everything, super active kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, like, a couple, I did, like, a climbing camp at um, the gym in my hometown, Pacific Edge, which is a really cool gym down in California. Um, and did, like, one summer camp there and, you know, did a couple, like, birthday parties and, you know, climbed a couple times. And then, like, camping with my family, my dad and I would scramble up boulders and stuff. But that's, like, tennis shoe kind of climbing. Right. Um, but, I, but I got really into, like, really into climbing my freshman year at Evergreen. Um, I lived on a floor in the dorms that was themed for the outdoors called the, the Outdoor Program or TOP. Um, and I lived with people that were really into climbing. And so we started going to the Evergreen bouldering gym just all the time and that's really where I got hooked and evergreen is solely bouldering right yeah they actually my sophomore year they reopened the rope wall outside Mm -hmm. um it's like on the side of a building it's just like straight up a concrete wall with holds on it um I've seen that but yeah, but they mostly use it for, like, special events and things like that that the outdoor program puts on, um, just because you have to have all your own gear to climb on it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's not just set up for anyone to pop in with their harness and their exactly. shoes. Yeah, and so the bouldering room was really accessible for me because it was, like, they had shoes you could check out for free. I had free access to that gym. You know, it, it was literally a five-minute walk from where I was living because it's right on campus. Yeah. So I just kind of found this group of people and then we all just started going all the time Um, and then started going to student nights down at Warehouse 
and then started doing belay trade. And so, yeah, so I'd say I've been like climbing pretty seriously for, for almost four years. Uh-huh. And I know with bouldering, having watched boulderers, um, <laughs> that the, the, the social aspect is a pretty major component. Yeah, that's something that like I, I, as someone who boulders a lot, really, really love about bouldering and just love about climbing in general is the community aspect. And that's been like, you know, climbing as a physical and creative and challenging thing is all important. But the community aspect of it for me has been like the most important thing, especially coming up here, like not being from Washington and like really needing a group of people and support and something that was active finding that community was really great. And I think that it's a lot easier in bouldering to kind of cultivate that community because you're Mm -hmm. projecting stuff together. um, You know, you're hanging out. It's easier doing like big groups and things like that. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. And you're not necessarily, you're, you're, you're getting to know people, right. But you're not necessarily like immediately trusting your life to their belaying abilities, for example. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's also really nice too, because it kind of like, it gives you an in, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you already have something that you're connected, you know, with this person where you're both climbing and so kind of in to start talking to people and like, introductions and stuff like that and small talk I feel like I'm really bad at and so having this like in with people of like oh we're doing this thing we have this thing in common we can form stronger relationships kind of off of this point that we have this one thing yeah instead of the usual like so what do you do in your free time yeah exactly (laughs) I like board games oh cool what kind of board games I like risk oh I think risk is horrible like yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's like you know you have one thing that you can talk about for a while yeah and then after that you know you can be like oh we both like bananagrams like that's a fun board game let's play that sometime but like you have that one kind of jumping off point Hannah, do you like bananagrams i love bananagrams Uh that's the writer and poet in you I am a Bananagrams champ, Ooh. in my own opinion. I don't, and- this, that wasn't a challenge, but challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we're in the same place, we shall play some Bananagrams. That's going to happen, Hannah. Uh, have you actually literally made the transition from bouldering pal to Bananagrams pal? You know, I have, I've played Bananagrams with people that I started bouldering with. So yeah, I, I, I guess it. that has happened (laughs) (laughs) do you rope climb at all i do rope climb yeah i kind of like i go in between ropes and bouldering and what i'm doing i feel like bouldering's a lot easier just kind of hop on and do um but actually the first time i've climbed outside was on ropes Mm -hmm. Uh, and i enjoy rope climbing so yeah i like i I like to do both so you're not like 100 in the boulder camp no, no. I, I definitely find joy in both of them. They're definitely different experiences, but both that, super cool. That makes sense to me because I did like you, like, immediately. <laughs> and that's not an experience. Why am I perpetuating this ropes versus bouldering thing? I don't yeah, know. People can do both. People can do both. <laughs> okay, I'm moving into a place of acceptance of all climbing types. Yes. <laughs> I came up with an idea. I'm going to run it by you. Okay. <clears throat> the other day, I was talking with Kayla Steely from episode five. Love Kayla. You know her. You've worked with her. I have worked with Kayla. I also love Kayla. And um, we were both having kind of a high gravity day. She's been dealing with a fall. And I have been dealing with not taking a fall, but getting on what was supposed to be upgrade redacted. So I was expecting to just breeze up that shit and then got the fucking pants scared off of me. Yeah. So we were at Smith and we are like, well, I guess we'll just top rope today. And I was like, hold on, wait a fucking minute. What is this just top rope shit? Top roping, if you don't fall, it's like fucking, it's free soloing, but not stupid, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So what do you think about that? What do you think about it? What do you think about that idea I just threw at you? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, there's definitely a kind of negative connotation, especially when you start climbing outside with top roping. Yeah. But I think that top roping is a really great way to, like, 
work on stuff and project stuff. And there's sometimes like things in the gym, especially too, that I'm like, well, I'd like to climb this grade redacted, but I'm not going to get on lead on it, but I'd like to touch it and see the moves and it looks cool. So yeah, like throw me on a top rope and then, you know, you can kind of figure out like, okay, yeah, like this is really cool. I want to work up to this on doing like lead climbing. So like, yeah. And I think top rope is a lot more accessible too. And it's a way to get people more into climbing and like getting on routes that they typically wouldn't get on. Right. And isn't it, I just, I guess I'm kind of over the kind of like (sighs) derogatory association with just top roping it's like if it makes it accessible to people then we should be celebrating that totally because otherwise if we're otherwise you've got people who aren't gonna climb because they had a fall and they don't can't just jump back up on lead or because like (laughs) me they got fucking scared and that's how they need to reintroduce themselves totally yeah i think there's definitely like top rope's great and having like being like done a little bit of trad not setting gear but like top roping from like people have led trad routes and then i've followed up after them you know it's like there's no other way that i'm gonna be able to do this multi-pitch because i don't know how to set gear but i want to do this climb yeah oh so, yeah throw me on top rope because i want to get to the top of this thing right like it's about it's it's the pride component i'm struggling with a little bit yeah. And I kind of, I like the idea of it being more accessible. So you spend a lot of time in the gym because you work I there. I do. Because I work there. Yeah. And I, I climb a lot less now that I work there that I've, I've noticed, which is kind of something that I knew was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I do spend a lot of time in the gym. Um, and, and I don't know. I'm just kind of wondering, yeah, what that's like. How, how that has changed your relationship with climbing. Yeah, I think it's definitely, so I feel like I climb less Mm -hmm. now that I work there. I mean, I'll climb like on my breaks or if it's slow, you know, I'll jump on the wall. But I I go in a lot less just to climb than I did before I worked there. Um, But it's also just, it's cool, like being around climbers. But my, like my favorite thing about working at the gym is getting people really into climbing Mm -hmm. and like, seeing the stoke start to like grow in people about climbing and just like talking about it and getting them into it, answering questions and like just getting people really into it. Cause it's been something that's been so important and awesome in my life and to see it kind of become an important part of other people's lives or in some way facilitating that interest. Um, that's something that I really love to do and just like passionately talk about climbing with people. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I've been doing that a lot more now that I work there. And so that's been really cool. Yeah. Cause you kind of have a position of like somewhat authority. Of Yeah. I'm kind of like a gatekeeper into this world of like, this is what climbing is. Like, at least in my experience, like, let me talk to you about it and like answer your questions. And um, yeah, it's, it's been really cool. Yeah, and that's a kind of, it's a, that you're such a welcoming gatekeeper, I think is fucking phenomenal for the sport. Thank you. Because yeah. <laughs> you are, you're very, you know, you're very positive and you're very excited and you've got a, yeah, your your stoke is high with him yeah. and young. And, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes when it's, you know, when it's your job, at least in my experience, it's like things that become your job you kind of lose the, you can lose the love for it and the passion and, and that, that can be really difficult for people who are trying to get into climbing, like to be met with a grumpy person at the front desk, for example. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so you said climbing is really important to your life and we've talked a little bit about how both setting and climbing, um, kind of fill the creative, you know, your need for the, the kind of creative process. But what else does climbing bring to your life? I think the, the major thing is like the community and the friendships that I've gotten through climbing mm-hmm. and how it's opened up a lot of other kind of possibilities for me, like getting into mountain biking and getting into skiing and, you know, having a strong group of friends that want to spend time with me and care about me and want to go do fun things outside and um, staying active and um, is especially important to me living up in Washington, mm-hmm. especially 
winter, it's like having something that's getting me active and being physical is really important to my mental health. Yes. Being in Washington, you know, can be really difficult. And I found that when I'm being active and talking with people and, you know, putting myself out there is when the winters are a lot more, um, I don't know, palatable. Yeah. <laughs> Manageable. Yeah, dude, it yeah. turns out our brains are in our bodies. They're yeah. Not, like, they're connected. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like, your, your body and mind, they're all working in you, you know, and you've got to, like, be patient with them, but also, like, do the things that you have to do to keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, continue to engage with both. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's like another way that climbing, yeah, it's been really important to me. It's just like having this community that I can be a part of and like feel accepted has been really great. Yeah. I was just doing some reading for school and I can't cite it for you because fuck APAs. (laughs) (laughs) This graduate student is tired of citing things. Um, but I was just reading this, um, study about how connection with a community or with a a broader group of people is is really like integral to mental health like you can have all the other pieces you can be fit you can eat well you know you can have hobbies that interest you you can have creative pursuits that fill that need you know you can have a you know you can I don't know what else you need but like without that connection to a greater network of people like you're it uh, you become vulnerable more vulnerable to um imbalance in mental health and and issues of that ilk yeah I I definitely feel like that's super true yes it's definitely been true for me where it's like it's especially in the winter here, it's really easy to, like, self-isolate. Yeah. You know, just, like, go in your little hermit cave and not want to come out. And sometimes, you know, you have, you do want to, like, give yourself a little bit of that space, you know, because, like, having alone time is also really important. But having that community that you can go to that you know is there and that supports you, yeah, I think is really integral in that, you know, keeping your mental health in check and healthy. Yeah, so you came from Santa Cruz, so your first winter in college at the Evergreen State, at Ever, <laughs> so your first winter at the Evergreen State College was probably pretty rough. Yeah, yeah, it was really hard, um, and I think one of the, like, things that helped with it was knowing that I wasn't the only one going through it, mm-hmm. you know, like, realizing that for a lot of people... I mean, there's a lot of kids from Washington, but there were a lot of people not from Washington. They're like, holy shit, I haven't seen the sun in <laughs> a million years. Like, forget what it feels to feel warm, you know? And so, like, I wasn't alone in that. But, um, yeah, it was really, really rough, and I didn't do a lot to kind of counteract it. Yeah. Um, and then my second winter, um, which was an even rougher, like, weather-wise winter. It's been a bad few winters. Um, yeah, it's been a bad few winters. I started taking vitamin D. Oh, girl. A game changer. <laughs> Just like, holy shit, this stuff's amazing. <laughs> I feel like that should be a part of, like, you know, when you move to the state, they should be like, you know, here's your new driver's license, and you need to be taking two to 5,000 IU of vitamin D3, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It really should be, because it like, as soon as, like, my body built up again, and then it was just like, oh, my God, like, I feel so much better. Like, there's still issues, but they feel more manageable. Yeah. Yeah, because that's really what we're going for, right? Like, there are always going to be issues. Yeah. There's always going to be shit. But having having just a little bit of a buffer. Yeah. Whether that's really- D3 or a community of climbers. Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to engage with climbing communities other than um, the one other than Warehouse and Cirque? And you're in school, oh. so you don't get to move around a ton. But yeah, I haven't a lot. I've gone like I've gone to the gym back in Santa Cruz um, a couple times since I've started really getting into climbing, and I have some friends down there that, um, are really into climbing as well. So I've like interacted a little bit with that community. 
Um, and then, like, going on climbing trips, like, interacting with people from, like, the Seattle area and the Portland area um, and kind of everywhere in between kind of in the Pacific Northwest. But I haven't, um, yeah, I haven't interacted a lot with a lot of, like, other climbing communities. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is I've, I've been bopping around the, the West Coast and a little bit of the interior, and I just... Obviously, climbers are people too, and they get to be grumpy dicks as well. But generally, <laughs> it's like I just find that generally climbers are so f- fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, people want to chat and you know answer questions and talk about what routes they've liked and what they haven't and where they're going and where they've been and totally yeah i think i feel that too and i think it it kind of ties back to that thing that you you know you have something in common kind of going into the conversation yeah you don't have to like worry about that you you have a really solid jumping off point i think sometimes climbers stick on that jumping off point a lot yeah all they talk about is climbing Uh okay guys like can we talk about something that's not (laughs) climbing related (laughs) like i remember one time i was hanging out with a group of friends who were primarily climbers or like in other outdoor kind of adventure areas and we usually talk about that kind of stuff which is fun and this one night we had this really amazing conversation about poetry and I was just like yes like other things yeah <laughs> it was a really nice change of pace but it's like having that balance I think is really important really important okay speaking of changing subjects and poetry I found a poem I oh wanna, yeah I want to read it to you Yes, I'd love to hear it. It's a little long, but we're going to do this, Hannah. Okay, I'm, I'm ready. I selected it just for you. Aww. <laughs> it's called Bouldering. There is no rope. There is no rack. Only this crash pad strapped to my back. There is no knot. There is no sheath. I top out this mantle by the skin of my teeth. Lots of power and contact strength. I will now cower for any length. No bolts, no chains, no pitches to gain. I twist, I pull, I shudder with pain. They spelled shudder with two T's, not with D's. (laughs) (laughs) I give a spot, but no belay. On this roof, I've come to play. I pinch, I pull, I yard with might. My body tension is very tight. Two young bucks using pow-pow. Euros wondering, wondering how on this highball two moves to go. I scream, I shout, look out below. With this wine, tips feel much better. I hope you all enjoy this letter. If your dreams include boulders galore, our snapper's door is covered in velour. So if at night, tossing to and fro, you should travel east to Fontainebleau. (laughs) The end. That was fun. (laughs) Pretty fun, right? Yeah, I like that. I couldn't decide whether to go, like, really sweet and meaningful or... (laughs) Or that, and that's what I chose. I like it. <laughs> it's by J and J three six ninety nine. It's an old one, a classic. Nice. Did you find that online? Is there like a climbing post poetry forum? Ah, uh, dude, I just googled climbing. Okay, poems. <laughs> so I was like, wow, like, oh, is there this whole like cross section of a community that I've not been exploring? I it has to exist, right? Because. Yeah. Climbing really is kind of like a fucking love affair. And, oh, yeah. And so just poetry feeds right into that. Totally. I mean, I think that there's like, I don't know, I have a, like a personal philosophy that I think that there's a lot of forms of poetry. Like, I think that like, like someone who really puts a lot of love and effort into cooking, like they're making poetry in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, like there's... And there's people that I watch climb that it's just the most beautiful thing. They're just yeah. flowing like water. And I'm like, that's a form of poetry. Yeah. I really yeah. like that, Hannah. <laughs> Thanks. I actually remembered as I was thinking about this podcast that I have actually written a poem. Oh, my God. Climbing. Are you going to read it right now? Do you want me to read it? I do want you to read it. Okay. I don't know if this was because I have a version of it up but i don't know if this is like an edited version because i save all of the versions of everything Uh Um, i really wanted like a dirty limerick about climbing but 
when you it's not dirty (laughs) oh the one that you googled yeah no (laughs) i don't need you to write a dirty limerick about climbing unless you want to write a dirty limerick about climbing i'm on board Um, this is this doesn't happen but uh my my friend jess and i um at one point came up with a bunch of pickup lines around climbing like you can't uh, see my face but i'm so happy right now (laughs) Like, uh, I'd let you sit start on my face and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty good. Ugh, god, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we had a lot of them. Um, we used to walk from, like, the bus stop to a warehouse. Uh-huh. Um, and so we would just, like, come up with all these pickup lines with climbing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I I found it. <clears throat> I'm ready. All right. It's actually about rope climbing, which is funny. Um, the boulders will forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, like, backstory on this poem is a project on, like, elision. So writing about something without saying the thing. Um, okay. And what was, had- what was the word? Elision. Elision? Okay. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I had to write about a sound that symbolized safety, I think, was the prompt. So this is the poem I created. Security, up high on the cliff, climb. Each movement higher makes the distance between us greater. Breath in my brain, heart drums in my throat, flooding rivers below dermis. You, my salvation, open to my shaking fingers. I cannot fall, I will not fall, fall, fall. I breathe through you. Savior, you are not my ending. A deviation in my movement. Heart keeps rhythm with hands. A moment of calm before it starts again. Guardian against gravity. Don't let my lights grow hollow. Will you save me, or will I arrive wingless at your feet? I let go. About climbing. I love it, Hannah. Thanks. (laughs) So, do you, so, as mentioned at the beginning of this podcast in the intro, which I haven't recorded yet, you are a student of interdisciplinary humanities and poetry at the Evergreen State College. Yes. And so, what, what's the process of writing like for you specifically curious about writing poetry but generally is fine to talk about too yeah totally uh writing poetry is i don't know it's a very it's a personal process and it Mm -hmm. it comes in a lot of different forms i feel like like i like i don't want to call it flow because i feel like it's not it's not easy, you know, it's like, it doesn't just like flow out of you and you're like, boom, a poem is born. You know, it's like a lot of work of like playing with sound and form and what words work here and like, how am I creating rhythm in my work? But I, I don't know, like my writing process tends to be like, I'll, I'll hear something that inspires me or I'll be feeling an emotion that I want to explore more. Um, I write a lot about the ocean and water and kind of like natural elements as a way of exploring like human experience. Um, So I, I get a lot of inspiration from like the natural world around me, but also from like how I feel as a body and as a mind and existing in my body and existing in my mind and being part of something that is myself, but also so much outside of myself and that kind of whole exploration. But, um, yeah, I I write, I do a lot of, like, free writing, and then that, like, jumps into other things when I think of an idea that I want to dive deeper into, um, and I let myself kind of go on that, and then, like, the revision process is always really intensive of just, like, cutting down and refiguring stuff, and I think it's all about, like, with any kind of creative process, I think, is, like, you want to create a lot, and a, and then you're able to work with that material and I've spent a lot of time getting really caught up in trying to create stuff that's good. Mm-hmm. And then so I create nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm trying to get better at just creating. And then I actually have something that I can work with. But the ever-present concept of failure is like <laughs> the killer of creativity. And really just of anything. <laughs> so it's kind of like you tap into that kind of flow state 
if I mean if you're comfortable calling it that yeah and then you go back more kind of more analytically and edit down yeah yeah I would definitely say that's that's kind of how it goes for for me personally and yeah yeah just kind of like let the ideas out and then kind of go back and reshape them into what you want them to be I don't want to be one of those people who just keeps talking about climbing, but as you were describing your writing process, especially as, as soon as you mentioned flow, it was just like, that fucking directly parallels climbing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, writing for me is a very, like, mind-body experience, and climbing is a very mind-body experience. Yes. It's about pushing your body and your mind and problem-solving and, like, figuring out how we work in a greater system. I think climbing has like gotten me to think a lot about how I exist in the world and how I push my body and how I push my brain, you know, to do these things. And, yeah. you know, it's paralleled a lot in the stuff that I create. And also that, that concept of failure and like wanting to be really good at something or create something really good as a way of like really shutting yourself down. Yeah. Uh, as, played a really big role in my climbing experience of just like if it hadn't been for the people that pushed me to keep going and keep climbing I would have quit like week one because I just like wasn't very good at it and I hate being bad at things yeah <laughs> things. And so I I don't want to do this if I'm not going to be good at it and so that's been a lot of like trying to get past that of like finding a lot of comfort and like <laughs> in not being amazing at things and like finding comfort in mediocrity yeah that's yeah. been really important for me in my writing and also just and especially in climbing and outdoor stuff in general just yeah. like yeah go average go often is my current mantra <laughs> i'm interested in so your sort of relationship with with failure and being a, being able to kind of tolerate being what you call mediocre at things has that developed through your climbing experience or otherwise? Yeah, I think that it it's something that I feel like I've always struggled with, but was really kind of brought to the forefront and like demanded attention once I started climbing. Yeah. I realized that I was really constantly comparing myself to others and their abilities and then also you know, starting climbs by being like, oh, all right, like I'll try it, but I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah, And just kind of then, like, fulfilling that prophecy of just, like... But then, like, be able to... I would say that at the beginning so that I wouldn't disappoint myself, you know? It's like, well, I already accepted that I wasn't going to be able to do it, and I didn't do it. So I just, you know, like, fulfilled my own expectations. There's no way I can disappoint myself. Um, And then I just realized that I was, like, really getting down on myself a lot and mm -hmm. also comparing myself a lot to other people, which wasn't good for myself or for them because they were trying to do their own thing. And, mm -hmm. and I would, you know, be really confident in my own thing. And that kind of had a lot of crossover in climbing, but also my personal kind of experience and life that I was going through as, like, you know, old older teens, early 20s of finding yourself or whatever. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah that, that concept of failure was really, really scary because I didn't want to fail and I wanted to be good. And I think everybody, maybe not everybody, but I feel like a lot of people have this mindset of like, well, if I'm going to do something, I want to be great at it. Yes. And I, throughout my life, have done a lot of stuff. Like I played, you know, eight years of competitive soccer and I was never really that great. You know, I was good. I was good enough to make a, you know, tryout team and stay on that team for a long time. But I was never, like, a great soccer player. And that, you know, and then when I started climbing, I was like, I'm going to be a pro climber. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be a pro climber. And then, like, you know, starting to do mountain biking and being like, I want to be really great at this. And it's like, well, maybe I'll get good at this. And maybe, you know... I'll get good at climbing and but I, I wanna I wanna get good at a lot of things. And I think realizing that 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 was my goal. My goal wasn't to be really, really great at something where I could like go pro at it or this becomes my whole life, but like wanting to be good at a lot of things, which kind of is the like, you know, go average, go often mm -hmm. of just like I wanna do a lot of stuff and 
in order to do a lot of stuff, I'm going to fail at a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to have to learn to be okay with that. And I'm going to have to be okay with being the back of the pack. I'm going to have to be okay with going out with people that are more experienced than me and realizing that like, with that too, that the people that are going out with me want to be there with me. And that even though they're better than me, they want to hang out with me and they wouldn't hang out with me if they didn't want to. So I just need to accept that. All right. Even though I might be not as good as them, they want to be here. So I'm not holding them back and just focus on improving myself and having a good time. And really that's what it ended up coming down to is just like, I have the best time when I'm not worrying about how good I am at something or if I'm going to fail at something or how I stack up to everybody else. If I'm just there to have a good time and hang out with my friends and push myself, then like, that's the kind of end goal. Yeah. And I'll, you know, it's like, and it flares up, you know, like I'll be out with people and be like, Oh, you know, like, God, I'm at the back of the pack again. Like I went on this really long gravel bike ride a couple weeks ago and, I'd never ridden that much elevation, that distance or anything like that before. And it was really, really hard. And I was definitely at the back of the pack, (laughs) but I did it, you know, and I had a good time and it snowed and it, you know, I froze my butt off, but I pushed myself and I had fun and that's kind of what matters. Um, But yeah, yeah. Just being, being okay with being just good at stuff. And just doing it and having a good time is, yeah, yeah. The, the point I've gotten to. Yeah, you're really, you're kind of circumnavigating um, what I feel is a fairly universal kind of cultural desire, which is to be, I mean, people want to be the best at things. They want to be the yeah. president. They want to be, you know, a gold medalist. And that, in ter- I mean, like, that's kind of what's valued, yeah it's being the best so it makes total sense that you or i or anyone would take that on for their own life yeah totally there's this pressure where it's like well if you're gonna do it you gotta do you know you gotta be the best and it's just like well not everyone can be the best so some of us are gonna be just average (laughs) and some of us are gonna look like a hamster when they climb yeah you know like yeah Yeah. like some of us are gonna just like biff it and crash and you know and like and that's okay, because it's just like, there's not enough room at the top, so yeah. we got to have fun while we're here, you know? Right, and, and kind of reframing that instead of being, like, a kind of fatalist acceptance of reality, like, oh, well, there's not enough room at the top. You kind of are coming at it with this really positive, this positive lens where you're like, well, there's not enough room at the top, so I might as well do all this cool shit down here. Yeah, because it's just like, I I also just don't have the brain that I feel like ha- has the, like, drive to focus on one thing. Yes, yeah. All, you know, and that's what you got to do to, like, be really, really great at something, is you've got to put in those hours and put in that time, that commitment. And I really, like, I look at all of those people that do that. I'm like, good for you. That's incredible. I I, my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. I could be training all the time. I could be doing all the stuff that would make me a way stronger climber. But, like, I'd rather climb and then go ride my bike and maybe I'll bake a loaf of bread or, and then I'll write some poetry, you know. And it's just, like, just that like, I want to do it all. And I feel like, you know, so I'm going to have to be okay with just being good at some things if I want to do a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I, I really love that you have sussed that out for yourself because in the, the kind of like cultural ideal model, the fact that there are trade-offs for being the best at something isn't that's not really part of the conversation. Yeah. But if you're gonna be so focused, unless you're just a fucking superhuman, which I think they might exist. Yeah. There are some people that are just great at everything. Like how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but generally, if you're going to be pushing yourself to be the best at something, that's a lot of time you're not doing other things. Like you said, yeah. baking bread or writing some really lovely poems. Yeah. Like J&J wrote. Yeah, <laughs> that was a great one. <laughs> Hannah, I'm just so delighted with all the things you have to say. Oh, I'm glad. I tend to kind of talk forever, so I hope I'm not no, talking too much. No, it's perfect. Um for both school and for the interview process, having listened to my own interviews, I'm working on um, talking less. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it's really hard for me because I like want to have a converse like I want like I you know I want to have like a conversation with you but that's not really this format like this is a this is a platform for for you to get to express yourself and so that's been a really interesting uh it's it's a challenge for me (laughs) yeah no I definitely feel that that's been a challenge for me in school too of being like I need to shut up sometimes yeah (laughs) it's like yeah it turns out uh we don't always need to hear what's always thinking but um <laughs> or, or like maybe i could just do a podcast where i just i could just free associate for an hour oh my yeah. god i'm totally gonna do that i'd listen to it okay hannah we're on we've talked about how you got into climbing and we've talked about climbing community and we've talked about creativity in climbing and in setting and we've talked a little bit about poetry whatever what the fuck is interdisciplinary humanities what does that mean (laughs) good question um that is what i say because i go to evergreen and while you can be incredibly focused at evergreen Mm -hmm. good school you can be super focused and have like a very um linear path Um, mine has not been that i went into evergreen um planning on studying kind of like health and anatomy because I wanted to be a physician's assistant. Um, after I graduated, I wanted to go into a PA program. Um, and so I started Evergreen taking like a forensics and criminal behavior program and a health program. And then that health program got me into public health. And then I was really into public health. And then that public health got me into political economy. And then I was really into that. Um, and then I took a writing class and that was kind of like what really opened the floodgates for me mm-hmm. with writing kind of like ignited that creative spark in me. Whereas like, I like all these things, all these things are super interesting to me, but I get really into them and then something else sparks my interest and I get really into that. And the other interest kind of went away and that's really hard when you're trying to be in college and like, focus <laughs> on that yeah. thing. it just seems so cool. Um, and I found that, like, a common vein of everything that I had been doing is that I had been writing. Mm-hmm. And so writing quickly turned into creative writing and uh, poetry. And um, so I kind of, I say poetry and interdisciplinary humanities because I've taken a lot of poetry, but I've also um, done a lot of other classes that have centered around um, psychology and anatomy and sociology and public health and politically <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So I have a lot of interests. Um, you have a lot of fingers in pies. I got, yeah, I got my fingers in a lot of pies. I also love to make pies. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm really into it. <laughs> so you like, you mentioned pies and bread. You like to bake, Hannah? I, yeah, I love to bake. I love to cook in general. Mm-hmm. Um, cooking is like how I say that I express my like affection for people. So like I make my housemates pancakes on Sunday mornings and I, like to bake bread and I pickle stuff like I make sauerkraut and carrots and stuff and give those away to people um, that I care about and want to give food to. Um, and it's just a, yeah, I really like it. It's a, it's another kind of really creative thing for me. I feel like it's something that um, can really keep my mind and my hands busy. Um, but yeah, I really love baking pie and bread and cooking food and sharing that with people. That's a kind of another community building thing. Was that part of your childhood? Yeah. My dad is an amazing cook. Um, so growing up, he cooked a lot of really good food, and I cooked with him a lot. Um, and his mom and his dad were – well, his dad just made waffles on Sundays, so that kind of tradition has, like, continued. Um, but his mom waffles was a good cook, too. Waffles on Sundays? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's on Sundays, and so now I, I I do pancakes on Sundays. But yeah, cooking was always a really big thing in my family, especially with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also the elementary school that I went to had a food program where the fifth and sixth graders we cooked the lunches for the whole school um, of like a hundred kids. So I learned a lot of cooking skills from that as well. That is so fucking cute. Yeah, it was really, it was an amazing program. It's like once a week, you know, I got to be in the kitchen and like cook a huge lunch for all the kids that went to my school. It was really cool. Wow. And that's, that's really carried through into adulthood. Yeah, totally. Like the skills that I learned in there have like 
prepared me in a lot of ways that other parts of my education didn't for adulthood. Yeah. Uh, like those cooking skills, something that I'm so grateful for. What do you want out of 2018, Hannah? 2018. Sorry, I didn't mean to clap. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. All right. 2018, uh, I'm going to graduate from college. Oh! <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, yeah, I graduate in June. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I'm really excited to read books for fun. I want to, I want to climb rocks. I want to ride my bike in the woods and I just want to drink beer and hang out with my friends and and just like take a chill minute away from school. Um, and then kind of refocus into what my plan is for the rest of my life, which I'm just kind of trying to be not stressed out about at the moment. (laughs) Kind of open to potential. Yeah, I'm I'm open to possibilities. I'm looking at um, potentially doing a master's in teaching program in the next couple of years, Mm -hmm. but not completely tied to that yet. Looking at beer brewing internships, trying to maybe break into the beer brewing industry. So you're a lover of beer. I am a lover of beer. What do you love? I would definitely say that. Um, I love the taste of it. Um, I also (laughs) love. I like the kind of community. I love community, I think, is the realization of this podcast. We're noticing a theme. Uh, I'm noticing a theme. I just, I like that it's kind of a thing that you can come together with people and enjoy the beer, but also enjoy their company. Um, And yeah, it just tastes really good. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a particular vein of beer? I don't know how to say that kind of beer. Yeah, um, I'm your classic climber IPA fan, you know? Yeah. I love piney, hoppy IPAs. I, I love a lot of beer, but that's definitely my go-to. Um, I drink a lot of cheap beer sometimes, too, though, so... As, I, as I, climbers should. As climbers should. <laughs> do you pack beer with you to the crag? I, I, yeah, I do. Not so much when I'm rope climbing. Yeah. Um, but when I'm bouldering, I'll definitely pack a couple beers in my backpack and bring those along. Did you just call your backpack a packpack? <laughs> yeah, I think I did. <laughs> I like realized that after I said it. I'll definitely pack a couple beers in my backpack. In your backpack. I'm leaving backpack in. Backpack <laughs> in my backpack. In my backpack. Or in the crash pad itself. Just slide them in there. <laughs> they don't fall out. That would be really disappointing. If that would happened. be very disappointing. No, they. Uh, there's sometimes like a little like flap at the bottom of a crash pad so that you can like actually because you got to wear the crash pad you know to hike it out there sometimes you could just like not even bring a pack pack and just pack your stuff in the crash pad um so you don't have to have two backpacks because that's that classic look of like the crash pad on the back and yeah. then your backpack on your front um which can be a little bit <laughs> nerdy <laughs> yeah a little nerdy a little destabilizing oh, oh yeah stabilizing okay what else is on your list hannah what do you what are you looking forward to climbing I have a general list of just, yeah, because that's hard, because it's just like, that's, I think it gets more, I don't know, yeah, that is challenging, because, yeah, because I like that the grades are redacted. Yeah. Um. So, I, I want to climb this route, or not route, God, you got me in rope Sorry, grade. sorry. <laughs> um, I want to climb this, climb this problem in Leavenworth called Toto, which I've gotten on before, but there's a really big... It's a really short boulder, but there's it's like only like three moves, but one of them is a really big move to the top of the little overhang boulder. So I want to climb that um, and some other ones kind of in that difficulty range. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some ones like some river boulders that I want to get on. I also really want to get back on uh, Drugstore Cowboy, I think it's called, which was the first ever boulder that I got on outside. Um, and I projecting it project got to the very top and it's a kind of high boulder where you have to like really cram yourself in this crack to get onto the top and i fell and it was a really scary fall yeah and it really messed with my head game for like the rest of that day yeah. and i've been to leavenworth a bunch of times since then but never gotten back on it just because there's so much other stuff to climb there but it's considered like a classic because uh, <laughs> it because it got <clears throat> so spooked i want to go climb it again yeah yeah, That's there's a, cool. there's something about those spooky spots that are that 
that edge between terrifying and appealing that is yeah. so magnetic. Yeah, you're like, I want to conquer you, but also you terrify me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also, I want to get out to Smith again soon. I was down there in October um, and climbed some stuff, but uh, I want to do the nine gallon the nine gallon bucket extension clean oh cool another goal that i have that's a wonderful goal yeah let me know when you're headed down i will yeah i don't know when i'll make my way down but really soon um oh man so you have lots you have lots of climbing goals what about do you have goals for you've got you're just gonna chill you're gonna have a fucking fun time it's kind of like what your motivation is yeah i yeah i just i want to chill for a bit i also want to work on getting published as well that's another kind of big goal that i have right getting now. published uh, yeah of publishing some of my work so i've like produced like three short form chat books and i have a 64 page collection of poetry as well what's a what did you say a short form oh it's called a chat book chat book it's like a like if you know what a zine is yeah like, it's like a it's like a longer zine, so it's like not quite long enough to be like thought of as a book, like a full length book, but it's longer than a zine and typically like a little bit more uh like less like collagey than zines tend okay. to be. And it's just it's a way that a lot of like poets produce work, um, to like sell out to people of like here's a collection of they're usually like you know, ten to twenty, twenty five pages, I'd, and I'd then say. hand um hand assembled kind of like a uh thing. yeah so yeah. like yeah like, you like print it out um at your local library because you don't have a printer or the money <laughs> <to pay. laughs> and then assemble it together <laughs> i love it so you have three chat books yeah and, I and then i you. have a yeah and then i have a more full-length collection and i i haven't gotten published yet and i think one of the things that i want to work on is um, being okay with separating some of the poems from each other to try to publish more individual pieces and then from that working towards publishing a longer form collection. But um, that's been a process of like never thought that I would try to publish anything and then yeah. um, having people really pushing me to try to publish in a very positive, constructive way of like, you should get your words out there. Um, so trying to work on that in this year as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so it's kind of, I didn't really think it's hard to separate certain poems from each other? For for me, it is in the way that I write. Uh, I write a lot of like more short form kind of stuff and they typically don't have titles and they often kind of flow together in their content and play off of each other. So yeah. um, they're a little bit harder for me to like separate from each other because I feel like they don't necessarily stand alone. Right. Uh, but isolating some poems that do stand alone um is something that i'm going to work on um and publishing those more individually um that's just kind of the way that i stylistically like compile my work um is more like in these little books and things like that yeah but it's okay to like diverge (laughs) i'm trying to tell myself this (laughs) trying something new yeah well, yeah, but yeah, 2018 is going to be a lot of new beginnings, and but also just hanging out. <laughs> full of adventure and growth. Mm-hmm. And beer. And beer. <laughs> well, Hannah, we're at the be- about the end of our time here, so if people want to find you or contact you or publish your work, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Facebook, um, but I also have Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is Baby Godzilla. Uh, that's with an H at the end. The H is silent, just like in Hannah. Okay. Um, that's a funny one. <laughs> I like it. And on Facebook, you're just Hannah Allen Young. Yeah, just Sorry, Hannah Allen. Not Facebook. just. Yeah. You're Hannah just, Allen Young. I am Hannah Allen Young. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hyphenated people. People don't understand the hyphenated last names. <laughs> I, do, I don't know why. The 90s yeah, have passed. Like, we've all experienced it, guys. Like, yeah. Like <laughs> Alan is not my middle name, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, Hannah Louise, thank you for coming on Masturbated Ladies. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Well, I'll, I hope to see you in real life sometime. Yes, I'll see you soon. Maybe at Smith. Ooh. Ooh, yeah.
Okay, bye. Bye. That was Hannah Allen Young. We've got short announcements today because I am currently recording from the bathroom in the Looney Bean coffee shop located in Bishop, California, where it has been pissing rain for approximately 48 hours straight of the five days planned to be here. In addition to the echoiness of the bathroom, it appears that an adult man, as determined by the amount of urine that did not make it into the toilet, has peed all over the floor in here. Anyway, special thanks to Hannah Ellen Young for her time and for sharing so much with us on the cast. She's really great. Check her out. Our music is sampled from the song Nice Boys by Temperex. Temperex is Joseph Flores. If you're interested in purchasing the song Nice Boys or any of Joseph's music, you can find Temperex on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. That's T-E-M-P-O-R-E-X. And as always, if you want to talk on the cast, contact us. Shoot us an email at masturbetaladies at gmail.com. Also, follow us, tag us, use our hashtag, hashtag MasturbetaLadies. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You know how to do that. So go do it. As always, I'm Zoe Alshire, and thanks for listening. Bye. Also, someone has written Fart Ghost on the mirror in here. If anyone needs a name for something. Don't feed the wildlife, people. Get it together. <laughs>